And you are listening to The Breakfast Show this morning. You are joined by myself, Lawson, and my wonderful co-host, my amazing co-host, my awesome co-host, Matthew. Matthew, how are you going, bro? Oh, bro, I'm flying we're with f- my brother on the side of me. Oh, we're and flying I'm high. onward and looking upward. Amen. We are we are flying high uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit and, and with God on our side and, you know, no presence of, of any kind of or substance or anything like that. We are we are just high on life, living our best lives here in the Breakfast Show studio this morning. And how is Lawson? Oh, I'm great, man. And I am keen to get into some questions. I've got some amazing text messages here as well. Yeah. But let's get our next question for the quiz. The next question is, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be blank, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. So all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. I call this Dr. Sir, S-C-I-R, because the D-R part, you can get doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be Blank, thoroughly furnished unto all good work. Second Timothy three, sixteen and seventeen. Hey, what is that blank? If you know the answer to that one, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. That is our text line. Text us in that number, and also, hey, just text us how you're doing. What, what are you feeling like? We actually have some awesome text messages that have come through. This one's from Sherry. She writes, "I've been reading the Bible every single day. I've been reading my Bible every day." Just went back to Genesis, bought my Bible in 21. This will be my third read through Genesis to Revelation. It's so amazing how much understanding I get each time. I love my Bible and so appreciate the Faith FM morning show. And that one, again, was from... Sherry, and that is just a powerful testimony. You know, and that is because, like, again, she's reflecting here. Sherry's reflecting and saying, hey, like, every time I read through my Bible, I get something more out of it. And that's because when you read the Bible, you, like, you're reading over a, a book that, well, the events of the book span throughout all of history from the beginning to the end. Uh, the the writing time of the Bible is over the span of 1,500 years, 40 different authors, varying, uh, you know, three different continents, varying contexts of, of you know situations and and culture and and issues and whatnot and and so the Bible just as you read it it speaks to us so much and it, and it is so infinitely like deep and there's so much to be mulled over and there's so much to be understood because again it's an ancient document too it's very historical but it's also so real yeah. like and it's it's just awesome that we we have the Bible I I kind of I call it the win-win-win of faith you know what Jesus has done for us what God has done for us firstly Jesus has died on the cross for us secondly he's given us his word that we might know all things about him or what he has revealed to us through his word and then finally he also gives us the power of the Holy Spirit that way he might be able to act on what we learn and to be made you know made 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 right uh, with him and and to walk in the works that he's called us to walk in and so he's he's done the work to save us first and foremost he's let us know about it through his word but then he's also doing this work in in us 
to change us. It's the win-win-win situation. And the Bible right in the center there is is this document, the primary resource of information about him. And it's this collection of, of stories, of, of morals, of thoughts, of wisdom, of songs and poetry that reflects a very real God and very real people interacting with that God. That's a very good point, um, Robert Lawson, because as you shared, she's starting in the book of Genesis, which is the book mm. of beginnings, and it addresses one of the four areas that people ask you know, the grand questions to, which is, you know, where do I come from? Origins. Absolutely. Your, yeah. your place of beginnings. People asking, um, what's the meaning of life? How, do, mm. how should I live? Morality. And that last one, D, destiny, where am I going? And mm. the Bible covers that from beginnings to revelation, which talks about the end times. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much to be blessed by, so much to look into. We've got another text message from David here. He writes, hey, on the, uh, on the Reformation Day, which is also Halloween, our church... Uh, at Clarkson SDA had a light party. Jesus is the light of the world party. And so that's awesome that, you know, instead of, instead of Halloween, it's, it's just, you know, in, in the Hollows Eve and, and cel- celebrating, you know, the, the dead and talking spiritualism and all this kind of stuff. It's, hey, celebrate the light. Celebrate who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And going back to the truth, the way things should be. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and and that's awesome. And that's that's the insight in which the Bible gives us. Like and that's why the Bible is so valuable to our lives because it's the way in which God communicates to us, you know, what's the right thing to do? Often that question comes up. It's like, oh, if God's really real, why doesn't he he just show up in the sky and reveal himself to us? And the reality is is that he has numerable and multiple times and to reflect on that he's given us his word which again as we've seen here in the in the quiz question it's profitable for doctrine reproof correction instruction righteousness and it has everything we could possibly need all the evidence that we could possibly need to be able to believe in god and maybe you're sitting there this morning thinking like lawson how can you make that assertion like that's a bit ridiculous that's that's a isn't that a bit overreaching to say that hey the bible has everything in it there are maybe potentially plenty of people who have read the bible who who don't believe and and I just want to speak to that and I want to say that experience it for for yourself. Like the Bible does very much attempt to say, hey, this is a supernatural God and therefore I'm going to give supernatural evidence to to back up the claims that it makes about God. It does that through prophecy and a number of other means as well. So yeah, the Bible, amazing. We love it. We're all about it. And that's why when we come to the second hour of our show, we get into Bible study. And we read what the Bible has to say for us. Now, this week we've been covering our character of Jonah. And we've been looking at the various excuses that people could possibly have not to participate in God's mission. And I think Jonah's story is a very poignant example of that very thing. We look at, well, we first looked at his first excuse, which is fear. Like, I am scared of the Assyrians, one of the greatest empires in the world at that time that were incredibly brutal as a people, pretty savage, you know, doing all kinds of crazy things as, as a result of their campaign to, to, to beat the world in warfare and torture them into submission, essentially. So that's the fear that Jonah had in him when he is called, hey, to go to 
the center of the Assyrian Empire, Nineveh, and to preach a message of repentance of them. The second one here that we covered yesterday is the idea of false views, that he viewed God and his mission incorrectly, and that led him to run away from his mission rather than want to participate in his mission. But ultimately, it's awesome that God comes through for him, and the providence of God works in such a way that he gets swallowed up from, by a fish and saved you know, from the... The, the death and the depths of the of the deep, and then today we're highlighting the idea of you know another possible excuse that someone could have to say, "Hey, I don't really think God's mission is for me." The idea of inconvenience or the excuse, sorry, of inconvenience. We're going to read all about this in the book of Jonah, and we're going to read Jonah chapter three. So let's open up with some introductory verses here to Jonah chapter 3. If you could open it up for us, Jonah chapter 3, and let's read maybe the first four verses, if you can get that for us, please. Indeed. It says here in Jonah chapter 3, verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, and we continue to verse 4, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Now that's a Sunday. And then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and any of us shall be overthrown. Yeah, wow. Okay, hectic story here. So by this point, Jonah has been swallowed up by this fish, and then he has been dropped off at at the shore of 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 Nineveh, you know, or the the shore of Assyria in some sense, and then he has walked three days or made a three day journey into the city of Nineveh, where then he preaches this message to the people that hey, yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, a highlighted excuse for today is that of inconvenience. I want to ask you the question, Matthew. When Jonah had the opportunity to share God's message here, despite his reluctance and maybe the you know the cost that it came to what he wanted for Nineveh and whatnot, did God make the way straight? Did he make it quite simple for him to actually be able to achieve this? You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Connect with us on 0491-064-669. Yeah, that's a very good question, uh, Brother Lawson. I believe when God sets a person on a mission, there's a mission inside the mission. Mm. So to get that clarity, you, should, you mentioned there was three days' journey. Mm. So what do you do in three days? There's a lot of contemplation. Mm-hmm. So is it, is it you know, an inconvenience? It's perspective. Mm. So to God it's not. But he knows that he's dealing with people and the shaping of their hearts. Mm. So it can be inconvenient to the one that's been called. Yeah, absolutely. And again, three days journey is, is quite a ways, you know, quite, quite a, quite a long walk. But at the same time, like the, just the reality of the situation, it's like, okay, there's, there's a three day journey by walking. You know, three days in a lifetime isn't that much time. We spend years of our lifetime either on our phone or watching television or, you know, they've done all those studies and those statistics and whatever it may be. And it's like the the amount of time that we spend looking at our computer, like, oh, man, 
some of the days that I've done on my computer over the last couple of weeks, you know, where I've spent all day writing essays or whatever it may be. And it's like, it'll get back to me. It's like, oh, you had a daily average of like 13, 14, 15 hours a day with your computer screen on. Oh man, yikes, bro. Like, like it's crazy. Like, and it's like, so, so we sink so much time into that. And I know that in, in, in that case of study, it's like a necessity, Uh, but it just goes to show that that a three day journey in the context of his entire lifetime is actually pretty long, pretty well, well long, but quite short actually. Eventually, like, yeah. Eventually. Well, like like he, well, his whole lifetime is a long time, right? Three days journey is is you know, if someone was, was to say to you. It's like if someone was to come to you, Matthew, maybe this is something that the listeners can reflect on a, a bit too, and our number is 0491-064-669. If someone was to come to you right now and to say, hey, uh, you can make your entire you know, wage for this year. In fact, you can make it twice over by walking for three days. You know, go for a three-day walk. By the end of that walk, you know, you'll be gifted with double your wage for the year. Like is that is that walk worth it? Once again, it's about perspective. Oh, well, like <laughs> come on, Matthew! Absolutely, <laughs> the walk would be worth it. Well, like so three pers- days. Your, like your perspective changes. Yeah, there's something that motivates you and increases hope. Yeah, absolutely. Three days, uh, even if it was like okay, double your wage for the year. All you have to do is go walking for seven days, or even. 14 days or even like if it was hey you have to go walking 12 hours a day every day for a month yep. like even even that i know you know people working as, as canvases so like they get out there and and um distribute christian literature and whatnot man they're out there like on the doors all day like meeting people and and sharing they they don't there are some people who go out and do like three month or six month programs like selling uh, selling books all day and and sharing the gospel with people like like and they're just like, oh, this is, this is what God's called me to do. Again, and I, I love the point that you are making, Matt, that like it is about perspective. And in reality, although like all these things have happened to Jonah up until this point, where he, he now this by now he's far from his country, he's ended up in the belly of a whale that has saved him. Now he's being spat out onto the shore, and it's like, all right, go walk for three days into the city of Nineveh and go and preach this message. Like it's it's actually and again, and we, we're going to read very soon what that actually achieves, which is something that is just amazing. Well, if if I can, I've got a thought to share that will prompt similar to what uh, Jennifer Skews was sharing earlier yeah. about the mindset. So, what I do with folk that I work with when doing mission, mm-hmm. if I see that they're feeling burdened, mm-hmm. I get this grand question: I go, "Are you counting the cost or are you counting the benefit?" Mm. So, if we're looking at a sacrifice for a reward, it's worth it. Mm. But if we're looking at no reward and it's just a sacrifice, look, that's a burden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's the reward that we need to keep our mind on. You know, it, it brings my mind to you know, the, the opening verses of Hebrews chapter 12 or the opening verses of Romans chapter 12. You know, I beseech you therefore, brethren, give your lives, you know, it gives your bodies a living sacrifice to Christ for this is your reasonable service. You know, and do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the ruin, renewing of your mind. And, you know, thinking of, uh, thinking of, 
Hebrews chapter 12 as well, where the Bible says, you know, Paul makes it very clear in his writings. It's like, hey, lay off the sin that so easily ensnares you uh, and, 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 you know, cling to Jesus, like the author and the finisher of your faith. Like, the, what, what God has done for us is, is so incredible, so amazing. The reward of faith is so far and above anything that we could possibly do to obtain it. In fact, it's a gift. Like, there's no amount of working that we can do to, to obtain it. And anything that we do f- do for the Lord is not as a result of trying to obtain the gift, but rather comes from already obtaining it, saying that, oh, man, I, this is something that I already possess, therefore I'm going to live in such a way. In the case of Jonah here, he's like, hey, Jonah, you're a prophet. Your work, your, your work, your occupation is to share the word of the Lord with people. Walk three days to Nineveh and share that word. And we then come to the following passages. So, so he goes in, verse 4, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. This is the message he gives them. And just clearing this up, this was a conditional prophecy. So this was based on, this was a prophecy he's giving them. He says, hey, if you guys don't repent in 40 days, Nineveh's going to be destroyed. Yeah. Like that's what he says here. Do you want to pick it up for us in verse 5? And you know what? Just read through to the end of the chapter. Yeah, gladly. And it says here in verse 5 onwards, So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth Mm. and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Mm. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Mm. Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he said that he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Okay, so what is the result of the call to repentance here? So last week I was explaining to Danuta that when God gives his grace, he's doing it out of love, and when God judges He's doing it out of love. So yeah. he mediates through grace and he mediates through judgment. Yeah. And what happens here as a result of the, the judgment is pronounced, what is the response of the Ninevites? They change. They, they turn around. You turn. They repent. That's right. They repent and they say, okay, we're going to stop. Like, <laughs> and, and they pronounce a fast and they pronounce mourning and wearing of sackcloths and ashes. Like even, you know, this, this, this uh, outward, you know, show of repentance of the entire nation of every single, you know, man and even the beast or and whatnot. It's like don't even let them eat, don't let them even drink water. Like this is this is a fast that then takes place in pagan Nineveh, like where the most powerful king, one of the most powerful kings in the entire world is currently living and pulling the strings of one of the greatest empires that the world had seen up until that point, the Assyrian Empire, at the word of Jonah and the simple pronouncement, 40 days and Nineveh shall be respond. They respond with the total repentance of the nation. From a broken, contrite heart. Yeah. 
It's amazing. Now, speculating a little bit on this, there, you know, there are people who have looked at this passage and, and sometimes like pastoral rhetoric around this is like, oh man, wish I had a Jonah's sermon notes. You know, guy, the guy must have preached a banger. But a lot of historians have looked in this story and you know, kind of have made a case that it, Jonah would have only needed to have said, "Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown," and the reason is because. Jonah was coughed up by a fish onto a beach near Nineveh. A supernatural event. A supernatural event that would have been witnessed by people and would have been carried by rumor back into the city of Nineveh. Nineveh was a port city. Uh, Nineveh was on the Euphrates River. And the biggest god in the pagan system of the Ninevites and of the the Assyrians uh, was the god, I believe his name is Dagon, which is essentially the god of the fish, like the god of the sea. This is the god that, like, they worship. This is, like, this is our top guy. And back then, you know, gods were very much functioning as kind of national flags and, and totems and whatnot. And it was like, hey, our god, you know, that's enabled us to take all this land, the fish god because he empowers us, all of a sudden this person gets out of the belly of a big fish and pronounces judgment on you. There was also, you know, God working through an interesting circumstance that. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We are going to have our final quiz question here. Can you get that for us, Matthew? Sure thing. Uh, Yeah. What's interesting is my computer is frozen. Oh, that's so. right. Hey, well, it's right here on the screen yep. where it says, have you got that one? Yeah, I got that. Which book of the Bible tells us that God's word is living and alive? Oh, oh, yeah. Active. Living and active. Hey, if you know the answer to that one, 0491-064-669. That's actually tough. It is. That, that's, that's like, I mean, the, the, I, the specific verse is in my mind where it actually says like that God's word is living and active and it's from this particular book. But I feel like doesn't like every book of the Bible kind of reflect a similar idea, particularly the New Testament. Um, but yeah, which book of the Bible tells us that God's word is living and active? If you know the answer to that one, 0491-064-669. Again, that's 0491-064-669. And we have our amazing prize unveiling the kings of Israel, highlighting the archaeology, I should say, the archaeological history and the historicity of God's word and what has been found in the ground that proves that the Bible is telling the truth and that God is real. How to rhyme there, what can be found in the ground makes the Bible sound. Yeah, that's powerful. That's uh, Are you a rapper, Matthew? I'm a poet and I didn't know it. Oh, stop it. Stop <laughs> it, man. That's hectic. No, that's awesome. Hey, you're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning. Again, that number, 0491-064-669. Which book of the Bible tells us that God's word is living and active? Now, Jonah, as we were talking about, flops out of the belly of a whale. You know, gets spat out on the beach and people witness this, see him walk into the city of Nineveh again like the God that they worship, the God that they sacrifice children to and do all these evil things in the name of... Pagan sacrifices. Is, yeah, pa- is very, very pagan, um, is, is Dagon, the God of the fish. Now, they were very starkly, you know... N- 
ancient Near Eastern pagan in the sense that they would have had gods for many things. But again, it was kind of like, you know, like a sports team, right? Like, you know, one of the best sports team on earth, the Newcastle Knights, kind of represented by the Knight or, or, you know, you've got other, you like, and I'm thinking of NRL teams. It's like the Rabbitohs or the Melbourne Storm or the Brisbane Broncos. Western Tigers. The uh, West Tigers. Cronulla Sharks. Cronulla Sharks. Yeah, that's right. And it's kind of like the team is associated with like some animal or some icon or whatever it may be or or like in the yeah, in the case of the storm it the, represents, uh, represents their weather. city <laughs> <laughs> that's right it represents their city it's, it was a similar thing back in the day in a religious sense it was like that that yeah each one of these nations had a religion or a religious figure that that represented them now Israel was incredibly different to this because they were just like we our god is the god of you know Yahweh the god of the universe whereas traditional ancient Near Eastern paganism. They were like, oh, you know, we're the, we've got the lion with wings. That was Babylon. And you were talking earlier about the, the bricks, uh, you know, the Babylonian bricks, and they've got the, the inscription of the lion with wings. And, oh, that's the god that represents us. And, yeah, for the Assyrians, it's, it's Dagon. It's the fish. It's the fish. And all of a sudden, this prophet gets out of the mouth of a fish and pronounces judgment on the people. Word would have spread about this. And we see God there smartly and wisely using the circumstance. Their own beliefs. Using their own beliefs against them to to give them a sense of, hey, like, this is, this is the way you should go. This is what you should do. And I think, uh, I don't think it was necessarily God making himself out to be Dagon to prove to them, but, but rather showing them that, hey, you know, for, for Jonah as an Israelite, and they would have known that he was an Israelite. They would have known he was from Israel. He's coming in, he's a prophet of, and he's coming in the power of Yahweh, who has power over the fish, who has power over Dagon, who, Dagon's not real. Like, Dagon is, is, is like an, you know, is very animistic, like a personification of. A mythical god. You know, a mythical god of something that we see in nature. And he, God uses that to be able to communicate to the people the the gravity of his message which is repent and stop doing evil and the evil that they were doing again coming up against israel firstly and foremostly but then their evil practices too like they were ancient near eastern pagans like the the, man the 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 sexual misconduct the 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 murder the human and child sacrifice the violence the violence it was all on the table for these guys and and even the city itself not just in the religious sense but then uh the the city itself and the way that they were waging war as highlighted earlier and just the brutal nature of their regime and we know that they they didn't totally stave off uh, judgment. They did return to their wicked ways. And, and Assyria doesn't exist today as a result. Not Syria. Assyria exists today, but Assyria and the Assyrian Empire, unlike that of Israel, which is still existing and causing a lot of contention because of its existence, uh, the Assyrian Empire like no longer exists because of the, uh, the judgment that was pronounced upon it. And but we see that they were able to stave off that judgment, or they were able to keep themselves from being judged at least for forty year, uh, for forty days in in this context here, and for for a later forty years, uh, because they adhered to the judgment that came from God that Jonah pronounced. And if we circle back to our kind of highlighted, you know, excuse something that keeps us from doing the mission. It can be, yeah, the inconvenience. I can, man, how inconvenient would it be? You don't even want to go to Nineveh. And then furthermore, it's like, man, how am I going to convince all these pagans that they should listen to me? Like a prophet from a, 
from a micronation that that is probably going to end up losing in battle to and did end up losing in battle to that of the Assyrians. Like, how is it that 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 will even be accomplished? You know, and I have to go out of my way and I have to do this and that and the other, and I don't even want to help these people because. They should be destroyed, like the evil things that they're doing. Yet, God works all those circumstances together to ultimately to, to, to get his outcome done. It's that verse isn't in the Bible. It says God does all things, works all it works things works to all those, things together. To those who love good. the Lord? Yeah, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's Romans chapter 8 there. Now, I think it's a bit different with Jonah because God knows what Jonah's going to do because he can see ahead of time. Mm-hmm. He knows the future. He knows Jonah's going to be passionate when he mm-hmm. gives his uh, fiery judgment sermons. Mm-hmm. But literally, does he, does, he, does he know that God knows the big picture? Those kind of sermons are going to convict the people of Nineveh. Yeah, <laughs> and and again, like in the, that first fiery judgment sermons, they were simple. It was yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be destroyed. Yet yeah, again. Jonah couldn't do anything less, like other than walk up and say these words. Yet God had worked the situation in such a way that, for the effort that I would view, and it could initially be viewed as inconvenient, but in reality is negligible. For the effort that is negligible, God does a work that is incredible. That's oh, beautifully put and appropriate because you know Jonah, he's going in there with the wrong intention. Like That's right. his intention is, I'm going to give this judgment sermon, and they're going to hate God. And they're not mm. going to turn him at all. Yeah. But and I'm is. probably going to die. Like, that's, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but like you said earlier, which is so incredibly true, he, he steps out of a fish. Yeah. That he doesn't understand. They revere him as something mm. super, super, like immortal. Yeah, that's or, right. Or, or, or above human. Mm. So he's got protection already. That's Unlike right. Elijah, who went before those uh, prophets of Baal, mm. you know, he went there with the Holy Spirit's protection, but he didn't come out of any fish. Yeah. Anyway, God's reassurance. So it took a lot of bravery. Yeah. But in the case of, you know, on the flip side with Jonah, yeah. He's, he's going there thinking, yes, yeah, we watch. You guys are going to be destroyed. And then lo and behold, does, does it happen? They, they, <laughs> they repent. Like they the, the positive outcome of this pronouncement takes place again. We're going to see this tomorrow against the want of Jonah. You know, he's like, stuff these people. Like, I hate them. Like, but no, God does an amazing work here in spite of Jonah's attitude. You know, Jonah does live up to the call. Go, go and pronounce judgment. But God does an incredible work. And hey, Sometimes God needs to to use us. He needs to use Jonah's and inconvenience isn't an excuse. He will use you. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Hey, you're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning and you are joined by Matthew and myself, Lawson. And we now, hey, we've come to the time. We've got no questions, just answers. So let's run through some of them, Matthew, if you can get the first answer to the first question for us. Gladly. So that first question is, where did Jesus grow up? Mm. It's Nazareth. That's right, in the place of Nazareth. And, of course, that saying was made, you know, what good thing can come from Nazareth? When, well, when it was revealed, like, Jesus kind of staking his claim to, to being Messiah, and the question was, wait, Messiah can't come from 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 Nazareth, yikes! Like, why are you serious? I guess in modern context, it's like saying, "What can come? What good can come out of uh, King's Cross or Mount Druid? Or Mount Druid, <laughs> or or Morissette, or you know, we can hey, send send us in suburbs that you don't like." No, nah, just kidding, yeah. just kidding. This one, but uh, but yeah, it's, well, it's essentially like we we look at that as a you know, if we look at Nazareth as as an example, it was a strategically 
placed brothel, you know, on the on the way to Jerusalem for the Romans. It was it was a rough as guts kind of place, and yet. God used that as the the place in which Jesus would grow up in and, you know, learn the lessons of life. Thank God that he did do that because it made light grow out of darkness. Absolutely. And the light shined the brightest in the darkest place. And, and as you mentioned when we said the question, actually, that, you know, Jesus, he was born in Bethlehem. He did spend some of his very early years in Egypt, Egypt. on the run, you know, from, from Herod mm-hmm. there, and then eventually made his way back to, to Nazareth to, to grow up there. But yeah, oh man, that would have been such a hectic situation too, like... Given the genocide of the kids, you know, all from Bethlehem and whatnot, he would be like one of the only kids around his age, which which would be super dicey, super dicey situation. But uh, yeah, you know, interesting, interesting stuff happening there. Let's continue to get through these questions. What's yeah, the next one for us? So the next question is: What location does Jesus say to light a lamp for all to see? Is it on a hill, out in the open, on a stand, or on a roof? And that answer is, it's on a stand. Yeah, put the lamp on the lamp. This is like a direct reference to the lampstand or the menorah, menorah. uh, which, you know, occupied, was in the sanctuary there, shining brightly and is used as a symbol of the church that shines brightly to the world. Exactly. Hey, get the next one for us. How many books in the Bible are there with only one chapter? Okay, we had a bunch of answers come through, and most of them were incorrect um, but in terms of the number itself. But what was that total number there? It's five. Mm-hmm. Five books. Obadiah, Philemon, chapter 2 and 3. It was of, second and third John. Second and third. Oh, yeah, sorry. Second and third John and Jude. Yeah. So those, those are all the books in the Bible with only one chapter. Hey, get the next one for us. So it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, mm. thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Second Timothy chapter three verses sixteen and seventeen. So it's perfect. Awesome. The answer there was perfect. And then finally here it says, which book of the Bible tells us that uh, tells us that God's word is living and active. Which book was that? That's Hebrews. Oh, amazing. The book of Hebrews there. And oh, I love Hebrews so much. It got to, it's got to be a part of my, you know, top three favorite biblical books. Just so many connections from the Old Testament that Paul is making real in the New Testament context that he's, well, that he's contextualizing into Christ. He says, hey, these things that you understood in the Old Testament, this is what Christ did. This is how Christ fulfilled it. And this is how you as a Hebrew believer can believe it, or a Hebrew, a non-Hebrew, whatever it may be. We still have the book of Hebrews today to read, to reflect on, and to see clearly the way that the Bible, as showed before, is, you know, perfect to make man perfect is one continuous story where God is answering and responding to the fall of humanity by giving his son to live, to die and to resurrect and to make atonement and to be both our judge and our advocate. Amazing stuff. Hey, if you answer questions correctly today, congratulations. If you didn't answer questions correctly, Thank you for playing and continue to play throughout the week as we give away our prize. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.